Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners. I am your host, Simon Evans, and joining me tonight to go through Tuesday's papers, we have Leo Kurse and Diane Spencer. Good evening, lady and gentleman. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Excellent. Nice to see you again, Leo. But Diane, I've not seen you at all before. Yeah, I think this we've is the managed first to. Time. Yes, we've not intersected before. So this is great. <laughs> you two have worked together before? Yeah. Yeah. And you've had your stool adjusted in order to elevate yourself to Kersian Heights? <laughs> You look like a very well-balanced pair. You almost look like you're on the same show, which doesn't always happen, you know, without guests. <laughs> so let's see what we've got on the front pages for tomorrow. Uh, the Daily Mail runs with Twisted MP Killer plotted attacks for years. He staked out Gove and researched Raab, Wallace and Starmer, court told. We will be looking at that rather disturbing Emerging uh, details concerning that horrific murder which took place last year. The Telegraph leads with Putin's a super yacht faces seizure and Minister's last gasp plea to Sunak to ditch unconservative national insurance rise. The Independent has Russia obliterates Kiev shopping centre and Nazanin says I should have been back six years ago. So far, no great consensus emerges with the lead story. The Guardian leads with revealed $17 billion of global assets linked to Russians with alleged ties to Putin. And the Financial Times leads with Powell signals more aggressive tightening of US monetary policy. I think that's the first story so far, which we will not be looking at in any further detail. Mauler tech, also Russia strikes Kiev suburbs. The Times has Putin threatens civilians to break Mariupol's spirit. And number 10 eyes toll roads to collect tax lost to e-cars. They've only just started giving tax breaks to e-cars. And now they're going to find a, another way of squeezing the juice out of us. The Daily Express runs with... It's time to raise state pensions, Mr. Sunak. And Sir David Amos, murder suspect, plotted attack on Michael Gove. The Sun also has killed Gove plot and jihadist targeted minister Kate the Jungle VIP. That brings a little bit more pictorial splendor to their front page, while the Daily Star has Cami quits live tea. Live TV, who is Cammy? Well, I don't know that we'll have time to find out. Unbelievable Jeff. Is that a pun? I can't quite understand. Unbelievable Je Well, anyway, that's in reference to Chris Kamara leaving Sky Sports. Perhaps that's his uh, catchphrase, is it? Unbelievable. People in sports do say that a great deal. It rarely seems applicable in my view. Those are the headlines. We will be going into those stories in a little more detail right away. So, the city of Maripool seems to be on the brink. This is uh, further horror, of course, from the relentlessly bad news 
from Ukraine. And this is on the front page of The Times, Leo. Yeah, so uh, Russia's really bogged down and surrounding Mariupol and, uh, you know, attempts to take the city seem to have failed. So they've resorted to just firing endless huge amounts of artillery. And there's also been aerial bombardment as well. They're just, uh, it seems to be fairly indiscriminate. There's a lot of footage of, uh, of just homes and blocks of flats being being shelled. Uh, so the, and the, and the people in Mariupol are, are trying to leave and they're in terrible conditions mm. when it's freezing cold at night. Uh, they're, they're having to cook on uh, bonfires and communal spaces, uh, you know, melt snow for water, food's running out. And uh, Russia's opened uh, civilian corridors for, for them to escape occasionally, you know, on and off open corridors. But a lot of the corridors lead to Russia, which obviously if you're being shelled by Russia, you don't mm. want to go to Russia. And they're, they're also uh, is probably not being shelled at the moment. That well, may be an advantage. I mean, that, that is an advantage, but there are concerns that uh, Ukrainians who go to Russia are then uh, going to be used as, as slave labour and sent, sent to gulags in the east. I wonder whether they seem to have adopted the tactics which, the, uh, which they, they used in their proxy war in Syria, essentially, don't they? they yeah. There's no attempt, actually, to take control of the cities. They simply reduce them to rubble. I don't know. To, well, but they say People say they've been bogged down, they haven't made progress. I'm not sure they've genuinely tried. Well, they're, they're, it's sort of estimated that 90% of the buildings have been destroyed, mm. such as the severity of the shelling and the worrying uh, news that Russia's actually used hypersonic missiles uh, which is the brand new type of missile, which is very good at evading radar and other anti-missile devices. Yeah. Um, but what is... Would we be able to tell if they'd use those? If you, I suppose, I mean, they Sonic are very mutants. fast, obviously, but, but I mean, all missiles are at least sort of supersonic, aren't they? Hypersonic ones are like five times the speed of sound mm. or something, aren't they? Yeah. They're normally used, I think, not necessarily intercontinental, but slightly longer range than these. I don't know. But is that, was there an advantage with attacking a, a shopping mall with something like that? Um, I mean, there's no, I mean, the only advantage of using a hypersonic missile is that it can evade regular anti-missile devices yeah. because of its ability to bump against sort of the aerodynamics. Um, but what's really worrying is this kind of um, narrative coming out of Russia. I mean, the whole narrative is worrying, of course, but um, they're now sort of saying that you will be subjected to a court martial and they're saying this to the people of Mariupol. They're saying, you will be subjected to a court-martial for what you are doing. What? Mm, you're funny. invading our country and you're telling me you're going to drag civilians and citizens and anybody who defends themselves. court-martial? This is literally what the Russian... Can you read that line out? That yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, sorry, give me a moment. I'm not wearing my glasses. Here you go. On Sunday night, Russia issued an ultimatum to those in Mariupol to surrender, adding... The court-martial that awaits you is only a little of what you already earned because of your despicable attitude toward your own citizens, as well as the horrible crimes and provocations you have committed. I mean, that could have been directed at the Azov Battalion, who are apparently, um, you know, hunkered down in Mariupol and are going to, you know, fight, fight to the death. So they're a really nationalistic uh, group of uh, yes. Ukrainian fighters. Still, court-martial is an interesting thing to threaten your enemies with, isn't it? Yeah. David Amos Killer was apparently going to kill more MPs. He had a, uh, a little list. This is from the front page of the Daily Mail, Diane. Yes. So um, Ali Harbi, Harbi Ali, who was the uh, man who wanted to become a martyr and stabbed Sir David Amos uh, to death uh, in October last year. One of those year. two he managed to achieve. 
Yes, he, um, they have discovered subsequently in the trial that's happening now that he has been plotting uh, assassinating many MPs. Uh, and uh, he has actually been um, looking, he was looking at Keir Starmer, he was looking at uh, Michael Gove, specifically Michael Gove. He was going to go for him, hmm. but then While weirdly, he was jogging, is that right? Um, yes, uh, while he was jogging, he was going to, to kill him, but he decided not to do this after the cabinet minister split from his wife and his home was sold. Oh. Yes, but what's bizarre is that this man wanted to achieve martyr status by attacking any MP that voted for the Iraqi war and voted for bombing in Syria. But then when he found his target and his target suffered a personal loss, mm. he changed his mind. So you're saying he's not an entirely coherent rational actor, in well, fact. Well, yeah, and in fact, David Amos uh, changed his mind on the, the Iraq war. He, yeah. you know, supported it at the start when it seemed like a good idea and then uh, and then changed his mind when it was there were a, number of a different terrible vote, idea. a number of different votes on Syria as well, weren't there? I think there was more than one. I don't know which one it is that he was... Because there was one point at which they didn't win the vote to, mm. to bomb Syria, so presumably it's not that vote. Because that was the one, you know what I mean? When they, yeah. uh, after the gas attacks and they didn't get the uh, the uh, consensus and that... Yeah, partly, people partly because of Putin. Yeah. we dragged our feet on Syria because yeah. of the disaster that Iraq had become. Yeah. So, anyway, Syria, Syria was more... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sort of justification <laughs> I mean, I, either way, either way, it's obviously, you know, uh, whoever voted for, for what in Parliament, they yeah. don't deserve to be stabbed to death by an Islamic extremist. And presumably this is being brought up by the prosecution to demonstrate that he was he should be regarded as a terrorist rather than a mentally ill loner or something. Of that yes. Sort, is it? Yeah. I think it's part of their prosecution to say, look, we have photos of him, we have uh, evidence that he was outside the Houses of Parliament, he's photographing the Houses of Parliament... He is not a tourist. No. He is meticulously planning an attack on our democracy. We, and yeah. You could yeah. combine the two. I mean, you can get an ice cream and you can plot terrorism. <laughs> some weird know? details came out of it, though, when I was reading it. He said uh, it, there was a notification went off on his phone. He had his phone on the table between him and Amos, and there was a little ping or whatever. And, and at that point, he said, sorry, took out a knife he'd... Was it, a well, was it a calendar notification? I Don't forget what, to stab MP. I almost wonder whether he had created his own little brainwashing, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, candid, right. Manchurian candidate I moment. I was thinking you know, of that like film, something, yes. Yeah, and he, as soon as he saw the ping. Yeah, he was like, ping, right, that's it, now I do it. I yeah. don't know, because he would need some sort of, at some point, otherwise you would just find yourself going... Well, anyway, it's been very nice meeting you, and you would find yourself yeah. back out in the lobby. And yeah, you, oh. as happens in so many social situations in in England, you know, yeah. you, you sort of go in with a certain intent to complain about something, yeah. and then because of social niceties, you end up not doing I it. I mean, we mustn't be flippant about it. David Amos was an absolutely, you know, exemplary uh, local MP. It's absolutely horrific that somebody should be exposed to that kind of. I mean, it's just. There's something so touching and sweet about the vulnerability of public servants mm. that you can get access to. I think we take it for granted very yeah. much in this country. Well, yeah, and perhaps, you know, eventually at some point we're going to, you know, the, the political establishment will yeah. wake up to the danger of uh, religious extremism in yeah. this country. I would hope so.
Boris Johnson has announced the UK is to increase its nuclear power capabilities. I personally feel very enthusiastic about this. Uh, well, have you got a uh, uranium you, mine? I, you know, we, well, we're near the sea and they've already ruined the horizon with wind power, which I think is a very short-term solution, frankly. I would much rather there was a large nuclear power reactor halfway on the way so to when France. So you, when you go out, when you go down to the beach, you can't enjoy it? No. Just, it's, it's like rubbing sand in your eyes. But we used to have a windmill. lovely oh, sunset not in my backyard. the horizon. It is my backyard and I used to have a gorgeous sunset yeah, there well, and now there's this kind of row of red glowing lights like well, we're being some of us, by orcs. Some of us don't care about your view and no. want to be able to cook some What eggs. would you rather have though? Would you rather have nuclear or, or would you rather have coal? I think I'd like to have a, I'd like to have a good balance of, uh, of all of it. So at the moment uh, nuclear power like Britain used to have you know a decent amount of nuclear power. Yeah. Uh, it's fallen to, to now about 16% of our power is generated uh, by nuclear power. Uh, Boris wants to get it back up to 25%. The only problem with nuclear power is it takes a long time to come online. You can't just, you know, chuck up yeah, a yeah. nuclear we reactor tomorrow. We should have been committing to it 30, 40 10 years ago. 10 years ago, yeah, 20 years ago. Uh, I mean, there are some companies like Rolls-Royce, who are one of the companies that, um, that Johnson is, uh, is in discussion with. Uh, they build these small reactors that are very safe and also very quick to, mm. you know, comparatively quick to, to build. 60 megawatts per hour, the only sound you can hear is the clock ticking. Yeah, and, and it's incredibly safe. You know, nuclear That's power, good. because of Chernobyl, um, because of Long Mile Island, uh, people assume that nuclear power is, is dangerous and it's radioactive, but it's actually incredibly safe. It's they the have... least dangerous thing you can do in the entire planet. It's, it's amount, less dangerous yeah. than drinking water backwards to cure hiccups. Well, that sounds quite dangerous, to be <laughs> yeah, honest. That's, that's, <laughs> that's how a lot of people die. So, uh, but the amount of radiation you actually absorb, the average person absorbs from nuclear power every year yeah. is, is equivalent to eating one banana a year. I know. You only have to visit Cornwall and you get more background radiation just from the natural yeah. amount of stuff. Again, a dangerous thing to do. What is your view on nuclear power? <laughs> I think it's fabulous. Yeah. I went for um, a trip around Hinkley Point B when I was younger and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and um, no, I think it's fabulous because the waste product that you get from nuclear power is actually very small and it's containable and you take that waste product yep. and you bury it and you let it sort of um, dissipate by itself and become less radioactive. And obviously, if we invest in it and the technology gets better, we're hoping to move from uranium to thorium, mm -hmm. which is even better because that um, takes less time to uh, uh, decay. Mm -hmm. um, but if you think about it, the, uh, the, the problem with sort of the coal is mm -hmm. that the waste product of that gets literally put into our atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so many people die from the pollutants in our atmosphere that the coal pumps in. Yeah. It is extraordinary how many people, the proven deaths, not, not danger yeah. of deaths, but proven deaths that are related directly to the coal industry, yeah. which it never gets discussed. I mean, people discuss generally the idea of smog and the idea mm. of global warming in the future, mm. but. Meanwhile, people literally dying. Yeah. Of and you've, you've got and the miners in, yes. in Chinese mines, you know, thousands, thousands yeah. dying. And also the radiation, you absorb more radiation from coal power, ironically, because there are radioactive isotopes, obviously at a very dilute level, but in the coal, so that gets burnt, goes up into the air, and you, you inhale more than one banana's about worth the, of radiation. The bald eagles being killed by the turbines. I mean, the huge numbers of, of precious really? This sounds like a street battle. <laughs> <laughs> 70s gangs. The bald eagles and the turbines. <laughs> when you're an eagle, you're an eagle all the way. We've reached the end of part one, ladies and gentlemen. Join us after the break. We'll be discussing the pros and cons of the British Empire. I'm sure that'll take up a couple of minutes at the very least. 
uh, the less than reputable character of Victor Orban and Lone Sharks. Who I suppose could be another rival gang. Very much. Welcome back to Headliners with me, Simon Evans. To my left, if not politically, they're just sat there. Leo Kurse and Diane Spencer, I think, to my left in all important regards, to be honest. Sabita Tanwani's family have made a statement on her brutal killing. And this is from The Telegraph, Diane. Rather upsetting details again. Yes. So uh, the family of Sabita have paid tribute to her. Um, she is beautiful and irreplaceable. And uh, she's a 19-year-old who was found dead in her student accommodation in Clerkenwell. And what is deeply sad about, um, I mean, it's already deeply sad, her death. She was found with very severe neck injuries. And what this is, it just, it feels like another young woman being killed. Is, and, it, is it strangulation, you mean? Is well, the I don't, the implication is strangulation. They've not said that outright. But um, it, there's a website called We Do Not Consent to This, and it's about violence being committed towards young women, uh, well, all women. Um, and they actually do, did, did a whole feature about strangulation and how 10% of the population have actually been attacked with strangulation. And even though uh, the signs might not be visible straight away, afterwards, people who have suffered this um, can get all sorts of horrible complications, such as stroke, um, even um, brain hemorrhage, miscarriage, and, and sort of even just pressing on the artery. Four seconds can knock somebody out. Is there any implication that this was an accidental killing, then? Is that what you're suggesting? Well, what I'm suggesting is that uh, the man who has been um, arrested, Maher Marouf, um, he may sort of put this forward as a defence, the rough sex defence. Right. And it's just upsetting because, you know, you've had, we've had such a catalogue of women. We've had Bieber Henry, Nicole Smallman, Emily Jones, Sarah Everard, Sabina Nessa, and now Sabita Tanwani. And mm. these are just the ones we hear about. Mm. And it's all been sort of just attacks on young women. And... It, it's just a bit overwhelming, you know? Nazanin Zaghari Ratcliffe had some rather pointed <coughs> words for the government at her first press conference back in the UK. A little bit of a marital dispute, in fact. Yeah, so this is, uh, this is reported in uh, the Daily Mail and the Independent. So Nazanin Zaghari Ratcliffe, which is Iranian for ungrateful... Uh, <laughs> she... She certainly split the room, hasn't she? Yeah, she has. She has. And, oh, uh, you know, so she, she had this press conference. Had a, had a right, right go at the British government for spending 
like what was it, four hundred million pounds and to get her back? To be a charity worker. Yes, yeah, could oh you my not God. think how much we could have done with that yeah. four hundred million? Imagine yeah. how many sponsored walks that would have covered. I'd rather buy some stinger missiles for Ukraine. <laughs> than, uh, I mean, I think we can see why why Iran. Um, in a way, go. I can understand why she doesn't feel grateful because she probably recognises that it wasn't done as an act of generosity towards her, was it? It was part of a, a, a re a re uh, a, a reshaped political yeah. landscape in which it became necessary immediately to get yeah. on better terms with the Iranian people so that we but, um, can start buying their oil. I think it would have been it would have been better <laughs> if uh, if she'd directed some of the ire towards the people who kidnapped her. Yeah. With six years. I mean, it wasn't Britain that kidnapped her. It, was, know, it was Iran. She continues to have dual citizenship oh, really? in Iran. Yeah. Oh. Part of the reason that it was difficult to get her out was because, you know, her Britannic majesty demands that she be allowed to pass without let and hindrance. But on the other hand, She's in her own country, in yeah, some yeah. respect. They have the right to hold her because she's an Iranian. So probably doesn't have any plans to go back there and train more no, journalists. I don't know, though. She, you know, because obviously Brexit has happened since she was in jail over there. I mean, maybe they haven't broken that to me. I don't, I don't, I don't know if she knows about that. I don't think Iran's in the EU, so it should You, you have her. a little more sympathy with uh, Nazanin. Um, well, uh, I'm ever so sorry. I had something very clear that I was going to say and it disappeared out of my <laughs> mind. Um, what, I mean, she um, is clearly very uh, annoyed, but it kind of sounds like a joke. How many foreign secretaries <laughs> yes. does it take to get out of Iran? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, go on, One, open it's up. not funny. It's five, <laughs> she says. But that does reflect a fairly swift turnover in foreign secretaries as much as anything else, doesn't it? I mean, there was a time when William Hague was foreign secretary mm. for about six years, I think. So it could have been just one. And I suppose, I don't know whether he would have popped back on an annual basis to go, honestly, I'm working on it. Seriously, it's right at the top <laughs> of my pile now. But every new t I can imagine every time someone came in, oh, Boris Johnson, I remember you. You used to host Have I Got News For You. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I remember what I was going to say. You, We don't know what has been whispered in her ear over the past six years. How yeah. do we know that she, mm. she may have been sat there alone or she may have had somebody coming in every day oh, going... Oh, you've been watching Homeland, haven't you? Is that what She's this been radicalised. Yeah. Yes! yes! A Manchurian candidate. He made CCTV in the garage as she rolls out the prayer mat. Uh-oh. <laughs> More than one million people are in debt to loan sharks with some demanding sexual favours as repayment, according to the Daily Telegraph, Diane. I don't know if this is a recruitment ad for loan sharks, or is it...? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, so a report has found that... Um, more than one million people in debt to loan sharks, um, which is incredible for a start. But some of these loan sharks are demanding sexual favours as repayment. That's now, traditional, though, isn't it? I mean, that's that's probably on the way out rather than the way in, I would have thought. It's a bit like the casting couch. I'm glad you just gave me that 300 quid, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, you've got to remember that this is all sort of illegal loaning. So so none of this is operating within the Centre for Social... I assume by the word shark, that's what that means, is it? Rather than payday loan companies which have extortionate rates of interest. But you, are you allowed to call them sharks if they're if it's illegal? No, they're regulated. Yeah, they're so this regulated. Is, this is unregulated. Yeah. yeah. Just the fellow who comes yeah. around with a little book. Yeah, yeah, and pulls, pulls your wedding ring off your yeah, finger. Yeah. Well, this is the alarming thing. They're saying that... Um, that uh, these they're calling them community loan sharks and they're exploiting school networks to target victims by identifying, and I quote, which of their children's friends were hungry or didn't have the best shoes. Mm. Wow. That is depressing. So it's sort of, so they're literally sort of loitering outside school gates and if they see a child that they think they've got scruffy shoes, which child doesn't have scruffy shoes? Yeah, like my every... child has scruffy shoes, certainly. 
I well, feel like we're, we're in some sort of call and response song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, bought I like 20 short quid. shorts. Yeah. <laughs> Do I bought a 20 quid, get some new ones. That's, <laughs> Those exactly, that's what they're doing. Yeah. And they're sort of giving them cards going, oh, there you go. Tell Daddy. Yeah. It, it was never difficult, was it, in school, I remember. You know, you could usually tell who was kind of struggling a yeah. little bit at home. It wasn't necessarily scruffy shoes, but there were usually yeah. some kind of... There was always a sort of sense around the, the kids where they had uh, actually, like, too much white bread. That was always a bad right, sign. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. Yeah. yeah. Is that as a telltale? Well, Scotland, was, Scotland was slightly... I mean, white bread was, you know... Oh, my God, it's not granary. <laughs> Oh, you, you poffed. I'm trying to remember what it was. There were definitely, there were, I mean, there was obviously the home haircut. That was obviously yeah. a good sign. But I had the home haircut. I, I mean, we were probably borderline on that. But I don't know. Well, I, we were I like remember, poor but honest. But I mean, it could have flipped. With I remember this. watching a, a video. We were showing a video in geography, and it was set in a refugee camp in Ethiopia. And uh, there's there's a, a kid in the refugee camp wearing this Action Man T-shirt. It was exactly the same. As my mates, yeah, uh, but my mates was in worse condition. Yeah. So we, <laughs> we got rinsed for it. I did always. I had a certain kind of nostalgic twinge. There was a sort of man at C and A look that used to crop up in Afghanistan and stuff when you, if you ever went, you know, on the hippie trail out there. Yeah. And they were all quite happy in nice, nice kind of car coats. That kind yeah. of, you know, those kind of like rally jackets. Mm. That kind of gift. Anyway. Yeah, but this is this is going to be a bigger problem as we as we yeah. you know go forward through yeah, the, through the inflation, true. the cost yeah. of living crisis. This is really Really going to going to inspire no, more it people. Is. Are people be... are going to be um, experiencing serious pain, and yeah. these things can, can can like you know it can suddenly flip, and before you know it, you're into hyperinflation yeah. or the rest of it. You know. And they have to be very careful because um, 55% of people who entered into these loans thought that the shark was their friend. Okay. Right. So you do have to be careful. If, you, if you're having trouble, yeah. then, you know, and somebody goes, oh, I can help you out, and just a little bit of interest and the rest of it. Mm. But also, they're, they're saying about these um, people have had to sort of sign things to guarantee sexual favours, for example. Okay. Yeah. But it's all... Like, how is it worth the paper it's written on? Do you know what mm. I mean? How is it? If even I was legal? given the alternative of sexual favours to the to the amount I owe the inland revenue, <laughs> I'm out of work. <laughs> absolutely jump at it. The British Empire, a point of contention for some, but the positive aspect should be taught in schools, according to the Equalities Minister Kemi Badenoch. This is from the Times, Leo. Yeah, so Kimmy, Kimmy Badenoch, who's a breath of fresh air, I to like be it. honest. Like, yeah. for, for somebody who, when you, you hear the, the term equalities minister, you think mm. you're going to get nagged, mm. uh, you know, about your, about your intrinsic whiteness or something. <laughs> but, uh, but actually, she's, uh, you know, she's spoken out against... She grew up in Nigeria, right? She grew up in Nigeria, and uh, she says that, you know, that she experienced some of the positives. She was talking about some of the positives of the British Empire as well as the negatives. All well, we ever hear about To be fair, Niger I'm a little hazy on this, but Nigeria was French, right? Was it not Nigeria? I don't think it was English. No was it? idea. I it was British Empire. But no, it doesn't no matter. Idea. I mean, Africa, obviously, the scramble for Africa, it was a big mess. Yeah, but I yeah. think that part of Africa was, was broadly French. Anyway, I may yeah. be wrong. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've no idea, to, to be honest. <laughs> I but yeah, we, we hear, we hear, you know, this, this sort of narrative of the British Empire just being this, this deadening, horrible, uh, oppressive mm. regime. Oh, well, uh, which that's obviously, not my narrative. I'm we, still very much Michael Caine in the red jacket. That's yeah, but I mean, obviously, <laughs> the, you know, the British Empire did some terrible things, but it was the old days. Everybody did bad yeah, things. But, um, but you know, this narrative is, is damaging. You know, to to uh, victims, it has this sort of patronising. 
victim message that removes any sort of agency and responsibility uh, from the people that it's saying are, are victims of it. But it also uh, fosters resentment. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's hard to move forward, isn't it? She actually, I don't know if you've got it there, but she had a, a very apposite phrase for it. She said something like, rather than thinking, like dwelling on, on the past and what, how that's made you a victim, we are all members of an ongoing moment that's yeah. constantly evolving. You Absolutely. Know, and that is an empowering thought. What do you think? I think it's a good thing because uh, she did. She chose to say that British hi history belongs to all of us, mm. and everybody had a part to play. And yeah, it's like kind. Of, there were some good things, so let's mm. get a balanced view. So we could say, okay, so on the on the one hand, yeah, okay, some roads were built, isn't that great? And and like medical supplies and. Technology. Banks, railways, right? institutions, Democracy. reliable government, yeah, hard money. There were quite a few innovations. If anybody's much as we're still quite grateful to the Romans for the roads and the aqueducts. Yeah. I want some reparations from the Romans, to be honest. <laughs> but if anybody's upset about slavery, there's more slavery happening in the world now than there was at the height of the transatlantic slave trade. Absolutely correct. So, well, I mean, I think we can move very smoothly on to this next story in which Jamaican campaigners are on the other side of that coin and the calling for the royal family to apologise for colonialism, presumably as a preparatory gesture towards actually paying down some of those reparations. This is from The Guardian, Diane. Yes, well, okay, so we have sent our best royals. Hmm. They are the most media-friendly, most Instagrammable royals over In to... a fairly thin field, it has to be said these days, but still... <laughs> So uh, we've sent them over for a, a Caribbean tour mm. and uh, Jamaican campaigners have called for a colonialism apology from the royal family. And there is a group uh, which calls itself the Advocates Network and they are going to protest this on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And um, they're not impressed at all. They're essentially accusing us of royal washing mm. um, by sort of sending over... Oh, look, it's Kate and Wills. Everybody loves them. No one will dare to... Oh, no, no. Mm. They're annoyed. And they say the royal family and the queen and the throne she sits on is all funded by uh, ill-gotten gains from centuries past, right? Yes, and so they are um, very annoyed also because... Do we have any idea how many of them there are? Is this going to be like half a dozen people, you know? Is it going to be like Janie Godley welcoming Donald Trump at Glasgow <laughs> Airport? Or is it going to be a more substantial um, well, they've got some names, so there's at least three of them. Yeah. So <laughs> I saw one of them, Kay something. Kay, is Kay Osborne. Yeah, I looked her up on Wikipedia. I don't know if it's the same one, but there was a Kay Osborne who used to present a show on Jamaican Breakfast Television until about five years ago. Oh, is it the same ago. person? I think it must be. Right, right. Because she's quite media friendly, and I think she's yeah. moved in. I think she's going down the Joanna Lumley route of having moved into human rights and. Right, um, right. Know, well, it can um, be a lucrative. Concerns. Yeah. Can be a, if you want to buy villas, I'm well, looking at the Black get Lives used Matter. To being people. loved by your people, you know, it's yeah. hard, you know, it's hard to move on. Look at Eamon Holmes. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> no, seriously. I think she is probably a media TV personality, but I mean, I don't know. Is it, is it, is it, is, does it harm them? I don't know that it does. When Diana and Charles went to Australia, the, Aust the, the Australian Republican movement thought mm. that was their moment, didn't they, to protest right. against them. Mm. And in fact, she won them over so thoroughly that that, right. was, that was the nail in the coffin for republicanism for the, for the next generation. Right. According right. to that episode of The Crown, anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely gospel on it. Yeah. Anyway, listen, folks, that's it for part two. We'll be back in just one moment with more of Tuesday's top stories, some that we were thinking were are just a bit funny, some that are quite important. We'll see you in a few minutes.
And welcome back to the final act of Headliners for tonight at any rate. This is Simon Evans speaking. I've got Leo Kurz and Diane Spencer to my left. And it turns out that Victor Orban, who I think genuinely is to my right, <laughs> might not be the trans ally we all thought he was. This is from The <laughs> Times, Diane. Yes, yeah, so um, the Hungarian Prime Minister um, is deciding to hold a referendum on the same day as the national elections. Mm. And he um, wants to confirm legislation to outlaw the promotion of... So outlaw mm. the promotion of gender nonconformity, which, let's be honest, is, could be interpreted as literally a woman wearing trousers. Right. Uh, gender reassignment. Yes, I'm wearing trousers. And <laughs> homosexuality, which is probably we half homosexuality of the people. Is, well, no, We're no. I was going to say the people, <laughs> half the people who live in Hungary. Right. Probably. Half of them. Well, there are kind of statistics that suggest that Half the people that live in Hungary? I haven't done it myself. I mean, <laughs> I thought that was just how many sort of people naturally occurred who Are you thinking of women? Gay. Is that... No, is I, think it's, it's, uh, I think it's about 4 to 7%. Oh, is it 4 to 7%? I think oh, okay. even that's quite possibly high. But I don't know, it fluctuates a little bit. I see, Maybe, I'm just talking about yeah. my household. So anyway, it's a sort of Section 28 kind of legislation, right? It's against the promotion of this kind of stuff in schools and that sort of thing. That's what he's... Yeah, yeah. but it's it's... He's just creating that evil other mm. and he's labelling... Um, and just to be clear, this is he wants to have a referendum and it's on the same day as the national election. Yeah, so which there's has a never been done before. conflating the two as uh, you, go, you have two different slips or...? Well, um, I'm assuming there's going to be two different that's slips. That's quite but... interesting, isn't it? That's quite a psychological... That feels like that's quite a kind of bold move, yeah. just like strategically, regardless but, of how... But I mean, I guess he's playing the, the West, because the West is seen, in, in Russia and in Eastern Europe, the West is seen as this, you know, depraved, decadent, yeah, yeah. rainbow-coloured, uh, you know, where, uh, you know, um, males beat women in, in mm. sporting events. Which does occasionally happen, obviously. <laughs> you, know, and, uh, you know, part of me, you know, obviously, you know, yeah. Western liberal democracy is all for gay rights and all the rest of it, which is fantastic. We could maybe just dial down the rainbow stuff, you know, a little bit until Putin goes away. And I have seen there's a, um, there is a, there is a, at least one woman who's opposing this from, she's called from something called the Momentum Party, but it's not the same as James, uh, The Liberal Corbyn's Momentum, Momentum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she says she's actually an MEP, but she is, like, kind of fighting against this, but I guess from... Yes. On behalf of the EU. So he's, he's kind of against the EU rather than against his own internal opposition within Hungary. Is that right? Um, he is playing to his sort of uh, base crowd. Mm. And um, he's always painted Brussels as they want to come and change the gender of your children. And they've even made this horrendous advert where a little girl says... Oh, mummy, we were supposed to do maths, but we didn't do maths today. We learned about gender reassignment, and now I want to be a boy. Yeah. And like, so it's making a good point. Okay, um. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a sneak in sympathy for Orban's campaign. Here. A new documentary claims Edward VIII told the Nazis to keep bombing England until uh, he was on the crown, and also passed information to Germany during World War II. This is from the Mail, Diane. Yes, so um, there's a, um, a historian, um, Dr. Lowney, and he's uh, written this book called The Traitor King. And uh, it's all about his research, which he's been doing in the Royal Archives, which for decades have been unavailable. But mm. recent 
policy changes mean that great researchers now have greater access? Policy changes or just the like the general the, the enough years have passed? Well, it says here recent policy change. Okay. So I'm going with going policy with change. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Call it elapses generally, doesn't it? And these things get released after a certain amount of time. You know, there's. I repeat, yes, policy I change. Okay. <laughs> I will start I explaining it's, it's homosexuality soon. Um, so essentially, Edward VIII, after abdicating and decided he'd rather go um, and uh, marry a divorced American socialite, suddenly decides, oh, he's made a whoopsie. And we've all got eyes on Harry when we read this story, because we're going, well, what is he going to come up with? And Edward VIII then encouraged the Nazis to bomb Britain into submission. So let me just, let me just reiterate that. A former royal who would have been our king, because I personally am a Republican, a former royal who would have been our king uh, was giving information to the Nazis because they wanted he wanted them to bomb Britain so he could step back in as I think, king. I think uh, actually he wasn't a former. He was still he was still the Duke of Windsor. Right. And was he he was, was he German or was his father German? Is, is there some sort of link to the Nazis? Well, uh, Albert, Albert was German, but... Nazis died? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Saxe-Coburg, they changed their name to Windsor at that point. Right. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But there they're is all a German, clue. aren't they? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, there is a clue that actually it was discovered, and the then Prime Minister Winston Churchill removed the Duke from Europe, making him the governor of the Bahamas. We mm. can see why the Caribbean hates us. We <laughs> give them our Nazi kings. <laughs> It was funny. He was he remained on quite good terms with the interviewers and social life, generally speaking, after the war as well. I mean, I think I think it was fairly widely known and understood. Mm. Again, an episode of The Crown made it fairly <laughs> clear. But um, I think it was I think it was fairly widely understood that that had been his kind of sympathy. Mm. Although there was a lot of suspicion, these things come out every so often. Pictures of the Queen giving Nazi salutes at the age of three or something. <laughs> at Harry some wearing party, a know. Nazi uniform with a swastika. Yeah. Oh, Harry. <laughs> No, I mean even before, even before or during the time as well, there was there was suspicions that there were some sympathies. But um, one thing I did see in the story that I think he may be overplaying a little bit is there was a suggestion that uh, the uh, that Edward had uh, conducted his own research into what amounted to the weak points in France's defences, and that these were indeed the weak points which were attacked mm. by Germany's advances in 1939. Is that, is that right? Have I yes, that because right? he passed his information on to his close friend, a Nazi informant, Charles Bedeau. I wonder if the Germans conducted a little bit of backup research on their own account, though, before committing to that. Anyway, Hunter Biden is still under investigation for failure to pay taxes, and his emails are under scrutiny once again. Well. I don't think that's the main story, is it? Uh, this, the, the important thing is that the New York Times have admitted that a story about his laptop, which, yeah. was, which was denounced as yeah. Russian propaganda, Twitter banned the New York Post, who were trying to tell you this story, yeah. not you, but all of us, in the, in the run-up to the last election, and, uh, and any mention of this story would get you an immediate suspension from Twitter. It turns out to have all been true. Correct. Sorry, <laughs> I just I had the I had the teleprompter which I felt was steering me away from the truth. So I thought I'd let you know. No, that's no, that's absolutely right. So I mean, at the time, uh, you know, the New York Post uh, did this did this revelatory story. Yeah. That, uh, so Hunter Biden's uh, Hunter Biden had left his laptop. He's the son of Joe Biden, obviously. Left yeah. his laptop in a repair shop 
uh, forgot to go and pick it up. And like Gary Glitter, yes. uh, you know, if you've got dodgy stuff in your laptop, be very careful. It is insane, these people. Where, I where mean, you I leave don't it? even yeah. like they taking my laptop. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I want to know which shop this is. I think everybody in the city of Delaware should be warned which repair shop this is. Yeah, because yeah. they clearly should, go through all your stuff. You yeah. should be aware. Yeah. yeah. In Delaware. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, uh, and at the time, I mean, when people talk about stealing the election, you know, there wasn't, you know, mass voter fraud or anything like that. Yeah. But the political establishment and the tech establishment colluded yeah. to suppress this story, which is a completely valid and true story mm. and would have swung people's minds in the election. There was actually a story in Time magazine, I think. I think it was about six months ago about that, but I saw it mentioned again recently. I don't. Did you ever see that? In which they said a group of people came together quite yeah. deliberately to so control the flow of information. Unaccountable, yeah. unelected tech yeah. oligarchs who control the narrative in the media and yeah. decide what you see. And you'll even get like banned from the platform if you if you share actual mm -hmm. facts. Yeah. So, you know, we, we really need to have tech platforms, social media platforms need to have open and clear rules and they need to stop acting as arbiters of the truth. I would agree with that. I'm not even going to let Diane argue. <laughs> An article from the Metro I States... I was not going to argue. <laughs> An article from the Metro states a teacher from London was fired after he expressed homophobic and anti-Semitic views, Diane. Yes. <laughs> And just... some, some even uh, like more batshit oh. ones than that. So, oh, pardon my French, but uh, <laughs> yes, this lunatic. Um, I, I'm going to go with that word. So, um, <laughs> Robert Headley um, has just sort of um, said that gay people have the DNA of Satan. Mm. Uh, He's also a flat earther as well, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Satan or this guy? Um, no, the, this guy. Uh, this guy, he's... Satan's he's, a flat earther. Where's he going to live? Most likely. Well, you've got to, you've got to be, if you're Satan, you've got to be a flat earther because hell's underneath. Have, yes, yeah. that's true, yeah. Ooh, is hell His stuff is set up on YouTube, though. It's there you quite go. Weird, but he only got sacked, I think, because he filmed his weird videos in, in the classroom or something. And you could see a picture of some other teachers And he had the, the logo on his jumper. He actually yeah. wore the school uniform whilst he was chatting about yeah. the Flat Earth. And um, he has um, a YouTube channel with a following of nearly 300,000 yeah. people. That is definitely... I saw that as well in our notes. But actually, I went to his YouTube channel. It's got 3.33K. Oh, well, Metro, so what, what on earth no, are you doing? This is, yeah. well, then that is wrong. They yeah, should. Yeah, yeah. Okay. More fake news. Ah, well. An it's article like from The laptop. Sun claims rookie officers are too woke, Leo. Oh, this God. Me already <laughs> this is exactly... <laughs> this is this hysterical. This is exactly the sort of story I want coming <laughs> right now. Putin's coming storming over the horizon <laughs> with his... Uh, I mean, they've got 16-year-old recruits in, in Russia's army who actually, to be fair, don't seem to be doing any better than, no. uh, than these people. But basically, uh, so there's a, a police force... Um, it's got West Midlands uh, Police. West Midlands Police, who've you know been, <laughs> they've been been uh, they've come up um, for other other um, you know breaches and Not notorieties. Yeah, yeah. they're no notoriously badly run. Uh, but parents have been complaining. It's, it's like, like parents of police officers, helicopter yeah. parents. Well, you, you get them with the police. So these rookie recruits are coming. Uh, one mother arrived with her son on his first ship shift at West Midlands Police because he was nervous. Uh, apparently, several new officers are getting car sick when they go in the traffic <laughs> They should drive with my husband. And asking the, asking the, um, the driver to stop. And a mum in Wolverhampton called in to say, the job you sent my daughter to really upset her. 
So, you know, maybe <laughs> they should get job, jobs at pets at home or something instead of becoming police officers. It's always that's supposed to be the sign you're growing old, isn't it, that the police officers start looking too young. But, yeah. but yeah. when they're your own kids, I suppose, it's a different calculation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But how bad is, like, police camera action going to be? Because I love those programmes where they go, yeah. oh, this is DCI Brad. <laughs> He's a Pisces and he loves custard. And then they'll show, like, a, a police chase and the dogs will go, yeah, we nicked him, it was good. But now it's going to be... This yeah. is DCI Wisley. I get car sick. <laughs> I can't chase after them because my mum said I'm not allowed to run outside. Like, ugh. According to a study reported in The Guardian, orangutans can speak in slang, which that presents a whole new range of opportunities for the next Jungle Book remake. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have them spitting some tunes on a yeah. corner. So um, this is absolutely uh, beautiful and amazing. So orangutans, they um, have this thing called a kiss squeak, right. which is kind of how they, they sort of make noise. Like, is it sucking their teeth? I don't know. It's sort of a... a slightly salacious noise that certain gentlemen make, isn't it? Chirpsing. You know, yeah. Is it? Mm. Is, can you do it? I can't really... Go. Yeah. That's quite a good one. But um, what they do is uh, they sort of alternate the pitch, they alternate how it sounds. And yeah. uh, and if the other orangutans kind of go, that's pretty cool, yeah. then they'll sort of mimic it right. and it, it becomes a bit of slang that they sort of all pop around oh, each other. Oh, it's mimetic. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah I like but that. it can also indicate something that's happened. Right. Which is incredible. So say an orangutan falls off a log, yeah. everybody thinks it's hysterical. They all laugh. And then one of the orangutans goes, right. then like everybody else goes, <laughs> like oh, okay. next time it happens. Next time it happens, they'll all do that immediately. Yeah. And what they've discovered, like uh, in the same way that slang moves around different communities of humans, yeah. in that in low density areas, the slang sort of moves at a slower pace. Yeah, right. So like, for example, in Trowbridge, they're still yeah. doing the whole, yeah, like they've yeah, still got right. that going on. Yeah. Whereas like in Clapham Junction, for example, they all use this word bougie. Um, no, uh, any that. idea? Yeah, right, because no. I'm pretty sure I've we're all older than Channel 4. Whatever. Whatever? Yeah. <laughs> 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 just when new words come out and then like yeah. all the, you know, people are using them. And then you, people in their 40s are trying to use them to try and look cool. Like, uh, My standard. wife does that. It absolutely. Standard. Oh, I What's so that? Standard. Everyone was saying it a few years back. Standard. I can barely understand <laughs> hot mess. And I think I, I was one, but I wasn't. I, wasn't, I know I'm what basic sure. means. I quite like basic. Right. Is that like standard? Oh, there's one cope. Is, cope yeah, no, cope is. But you cope? can use cope online. Well, cope is basically you're making an excuse to cover your, your humiliation. Your oh. Pain. oh, yeah, but that not that what Coke means anyway? It's like anyway? sour grapes, yeah. yeah, you're, yeah tell, exactly. you're telling someone to just deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Could like, somebody Putin, please tweet Putin me and tell me what cope. bougie means? <laughs> hitting, <laughs> hitting children, possibly in response to their annoying slang. Hitting children, a parent's right or an outdated form of punishment. This is from The Times, Leo. Yeah, so England is now the only nation in the whole of the United Kingdom. That... I was going to say, surely Hungary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, Eng England, so uh, Scotland, uh, Wales, I guess Northern Ireland as well yeah. have, have banned smacking. You're not allowed to smack your children. Wales has been the most recent one to, to ban yeah. uh, to ban it. So if you want to hit your child in the face, no more uh, you're going to have to, you're gonna to, have to come to England. But I mean, it makes sense because English children are the most annoying. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's gonna if it's gonna happen uh, if it's gonna pass in in England. But uh, there are rules against like actually physically assaulting your child, aren't there? I suppose it just depends.
depends on what level it's imposed. Is that yeah, right? I think yeah. at a certain level it's, it's seen as, uh, you know, just reprimanding the child for yeah. something they've done wrong. But, yeah. you know, yeah, obviously don't go... How do you feel about this, Diana? I sense you're going to be an anti-smacker, aren't you? Uh, well, no, I, I'm not... Do you have children? Um, I have two stepkids okay. and... Um, Are you allowed to hit them? What's the rules on that? That's, that's quite I have, a legal grey area. I have it? never... <laughs> to be fair, Wales is a grey area as well. Well, I mean, um, I would say that um, with this, is, it's just quite an interesting uh, thought because I got uh, slapped a bit when I was growing up. If I was out of order, I got a slap. Mm. And so you know you're going to get one. And um, I could just imagine that... Um, if my dad or my family and we, we were in this time now then uh, and we were going on holiday to Wales, uh, my, my yeah, parents yeah. would be like waiting until they got to the border. <laughs> where they were like, right, the second we get back yeah. into England. You just <laughs> wait till we get to Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> David Beckham has made an unusual contribution to the Ukrainian struggle. This set my teeth on edge, but I dare say it's a, it's a fashionable sort of thing to do. Go on. Well, uh, well, no, Simon, now come on now. All throughout this, oh, so let me summarise. So David Beckham has had a control of his Instagram account to a Ukrainian doc. Okay. Um, and it would be super useful if uh, Russia had not banned Instagram, uh, <laughs> which they had done uh, in an effort to curb sort of the actual information getting out. But he has um, given it to a Ukrainian doctor who's working in Kharkiv. Yeah. And uh, he's got 71.6 Instagram, uh, million Instagram followers. Yes. And uh, so they're learning all about... Uh, so this, this chap can just send pictures of hospitals this and This lady doctor yeah. uh, called Arena uh, is sending clips. They've got, they've got lady doctors now, Simon. Did, yeah. did I say man doctor? Uh, yes. Now, you... <laughs> I don't believe I did, did I? You have been presupposing what I've been saying okay. for most of this show, so I would love to hear, why does this set your teath on edge? Oh, I just think it's a bit influencer <laughs> isn't it? But I guess it's probably what helpful. What do you mean? Well, it's just kind of like, oh, I'll use my, my uh, influencer status. I just find it... Yeah, but it's using it for, you know, normally footballers okay. use their influencer status to sell hair transplants or weight loss coffee. That's true. So it's good to be, you know, someone a bit more altruistic. Yeah, of course. If, oh. if it's not going to be TikTok videos, yeah. that's all I want to make I mean, sure. And I don't want to see TikTok videos yeah, but, of dancing but, nurses coming I don't out think, of the Ukraine. I don't think David Beckham's Instagram followers necessarily read the Times. So it's good that, you know, <laughs> to get the message out there. That's all we have time for, folks. I've been your host, defeated on the last story tonight. Simon Evans. <laughs> Thanks very much to our guests, Leo and Diane. We'll be back with you tomorrow evening. Until then, good night. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring. 